6.1 Electoral Rules Electoral rules are conventionally viewed as political institutions that influence engagement and representation. They are the outcomes of negotiations in which political actors are center stage. Taking this approach, for instance, Boyce argues that the relative size of political parties determines whether elites establish PR or majoritarian rules. Scholars and practitioners increasingly recognize that other forces play a role. Some note that electoral rules may not work as expected because context, e.g. social divisions and norms, weak rule of law and media systems, and electoral fraud and intimidation, mediates outcomes. While others consider how electoral institutions activate fault lines, determining which identities are salient. These approaches are insightful, but not fully sufficient. They explore how elites' negotiation of electoral rules shape elections, but fall short of comprehending how the same considerations impact other arenas of authority. A more complete understanding is essential as academic perspectives influence praxis. Political scientists not only study electoral rules, they also engineer them. The story of the Libyan 2012 GNC electoral law illustrates how arenas of authority outside the state respond to electoral rules and reciprocally shape electoral institutions and outcomes. The electoral law, formulated after the downfall of Muammar Gaddafi, was the subject of extensive international intervention. Electoral engineers prepared plans based on their best understanding of Libya's conditions and electoral institutions. Yet they fail to anticipate how elites in arenas of authority outside the state, intent on maintaining their community social institutions, would respond and ultimately upend the electoral engineers' best laid plans. The preferences of international experts in the larger political parties were constructed within the paradigm of elections as a state institution. International experts generally advocated a PR system with gender quotas. They believed these would strengthen political parties, which were nearly absent in the wake of the previous regime, and promote the status of women in a society where most held conservative views on gender roles. Many elites returning from abroad, with few domestic bases of support, and the Muslim Brotherhood, or the largest political party, favored a PR system with gender quotas for the same reasons. Given the nascent state of parties in Libya, however, the proposal was a two-tiered, mixed electoral system, with PR seats evenly distributed across the country in larger constituencies on one tier and majoritarian seats on a second tier. However, local elites viewed electoral institutions not only as a state institution, but also as one associated with other arenas of authority. Elites in parts of the country where boundaries around ethnic, tribal, or locality-based arenas of authority were strong, and where there were deep divisions between neighboring villages, could not accept the possibility that a politician from a neighboring area would be their representative. Moreover, social institutions within these arenas prohibited women from working outside the home or traveling without a male companion, yet alone going to Tripoli to represent their constituency. Consequently, these elites rejected the proposed system not only or even primarily because of its impact on electoral behavior and representation, but also because it would potentially and fundamentally undermine their arenas of authority and the social institutions within them. Negotiations over districting and seat distribution regarding the division of proportional representation and independent candidate seats ultimately resulted in a complicated, hybrid system, and one much different than the electoral engineers intended. As shown in Figure 1, on page 51, 
Areas such as Gerian, where there were strong local leaders and distinct tribal identities, accepted only independent seats, and PR seats were distributed to the areas such as Tripoli, with a larger number of residents from other regions of the country and returnees from abroad. Altogether, 50 of the 70 districts had parallel voting, that is, voting for both PR and IC seats while 19 districts had only IC seats and four districts had only PR seats. Put simply, the result was a hodgepodge system that reflected compromises between elites aiming to accommodate demands emerging from different ethnic and local arenas of authority and the social institutions within them. The compromise averted conflicts at the time, but also complicated election logistics and created inequalities in representation. In contrast, electoral engineers in Jordan devised rules that worked in concert with elites in both tribal arenas and the state, achieving both parties' desired outcomes. At the end of the 1980s, Jordan reinstated multi-party parliamentary elections and allowed political parties to mobilize. The goal was to reduce opposition around economic crises and ease Jordan's entry into a peace treaty with Israel. But the parliament elected in 1989 was a nuisance at best and destabilizing at worst. Parliamentarians frequently opposed government policy, with the Islamic Action Front leading the opposition. Consequently, the monarchy changed the electoral law in 1993, aiming to weaken the opposition. The new electoral law moved from the 1989 electoral law's multi-member district, multi-vote system, to a multi-member district's single non-transferable vote one. The result was what both the state and tribal elites wanted, a significant weakening of the Islamists and reinforcement of tribal arenas of authority. Individuals previously could divide their votes, casting one vote for their tribal leader and a second vote for the candidate who best represented their policy preferences. After 1993, they were limited to one vote. When required to choose between casting votes in response to social institutions in tribal arenas of authority and those in religious ones, Most East Bank Jordanians supported their tribal authorities. You can recall reasons for this described in Section 4. Thus, Islamists, not all of whom were from the Islamic Action Front, saw their share of Jordan's 80 legislative seats fall from 34 seats in 1989 to 22 seats in 1993. Islamist presence in Parliament was further reduced through their boycott of the 1997 and 2010 elections. In contrast, 75 independents gained seats in the 1997 elections, including 68 tribal chiefs, and more than 90 tribes were represented after 2010. The electoral rules alignment with tribal social institutions produced these outcomes.